Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. On this vote, the yeas are 53, the nays are 47, and this nomination is confirmed. I got goosebumps, I got butterflies, I got chills, I got all those things. I'm going to tell you what, man, uh, today I am borrowing a page from Senator Cory Booker's book, and I am not letting anything steal my joy. Uh, I am on a a high right now. It is a great day to be an American. It's a great day to be black. It's a great day to be an American. just to be living in this moment of history. I am even deriving joy from watching members of the GOP leave the chamber like the 91 Detroit Pistons when they lost to the Bulls. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's a great analogy. I derive pleasure. That's a great analogy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm deriving pleasure from that. Mitch Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell is Jack McCloskey. Jack McCloskey right there in the tunnel crying, trying to hug Bill Lambeer like, is this oh, over? Oh man! Is this over? Let me, really let me sip some swept? of those GOP tears right hey, quick. You know, you ain't get swept though. You ain't get swept. <sighs> At least uh, the, the the Pistons got swept. Uh, y'all lost. Uh, y'all lost fifty three to forty seven. There were three Republican senators who did cross over to the other side. It really shouldn't have been that close. This was a this was a no brainer uh, nomination. This should have been a no brainer. Confirmation and 5347 just really tells a story of our politicized times and our often out of touch politicians. You know, I think about that. I'm going to talk about the negative before I get to the positive. I, I think about this sometimes when we go through these things, Michael. Um, and now, now our both of you know our our families, our kids. We both have three kids. Our kids are all old enough to be aware of what's happening in society. But I think about when when the family was younger. You know, when your when your oldest was like two or three years old, um, and something happened, you ask yourself, "What will I tell them when they ask about it when they get older, or when they ask, hey, where did you stand on this? Where were you when this happened?'" I want to be able to give a good answer. And so for those Republicans who sat down for Tim Scott, I'm sorry to keep picking on your brother, but I'm going to pick on your brother. For Tim Scott, the the, the 11th, one of 11 black senators in history, in, in history, for you, a black man, to reject the nomination on her judicial philosophy, buying into your colleagues talking points, which are to be diplomatic, uh, inaccurate, uh, overstated, 
uh, taken out of context is a shame. So that that's something for for Tim Scott and others to look in the mirror and deal with their own conscience. But with. for yeah. other people, for and I'll give you I'll give you credit, Susan Collins. I'll give you credit, Mitt Romney, uh, Lisa Murkowski, the Republicans who did vote for this uh, confirmation. Yes, you were in the right place at the right time. And the other thing I'll say on this, the positive is I've always felt that you can tell the story. I've told you this before. You can tell the story of the United States of America. A great narrative is just looking at the history of the Supreme Court. You don't need anybody to spin it for you. It doesn't have to be left, right, center. Just look at the history of the Supreme Court. It's right there. It's archived beautifully. All you have to do is look at the history of this country and, and the laws that were laws that were passed, uh, uh, issues that were rejected uh, on the mm -hmm. steps of the court or at the feet of the court, and you get a really good portrait of what the United States of America is. And for somebody like Katanji Brown Jackson to be a part of this court with its flat-out racist history from for generations is just amazing. It's amazing. It says a great thing. I, I like the way you said up top. It says a great thing about the United States of America. It says a great thing about the progress of black Americans. Uh, and, and it says and it says something uh, great about just just um, persistence. Persistence and, and, and hopefulness and holding on. I mean, uh, you know, Gary Carter said to me before the one of our producers said to me before the show started, he said, I wish my my mom could have seen it. She didn't see Obama and, and, and she didn't she didn't see this. I think the same thing. I think about my grandmother and my grandfather and and great aunts and great uncles who passed before this moment who really put in that sweat equity and put in a lot of yeah. uh, intellectual capital to help you get to where you are to help get help me get to where I am and to see moments like this today. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's going to be a night of celebration in the Smith household for sure. Um, you know, as are yours. My kids are already spoiled, as is my wife. No, no, she don't like when I say that, but it's true. But uh, there, there's no no coming from daddy tonight. Anything my wife wants, uh, anything my kids <laughs> want, you want ice cream for dinner, you got it. Like, I mean, I, it, yeah. it feels very similar, though for different reasons. And obviously, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, that honeymoon period wore off quickly, but I feel a lot like I felt uh, that November day when Ding Dong, the witch, was dead. Uh, and not, not only um, did was 45 replaced, but we, of course, got our first woman and first black uh, and first Asian American, for that matter, uh, vice president. So to watch Vice President Kamala Harris uh, preside over the vote and make the announcement for the vote, uh, for the confirmation, I beg your pardon. It's just, it's just incredible. And to, and to your point about, to your point about that, uh, that portrait of the United States, just to put numbers on it. We've seen photos, we've seen graphs, we've seen charts, but it bears repeating. Of the 115 justices that have preceded Katanji Brown Jackson, 110 were white men. Right. Out of 115 <laughs> justices. Right. 110 were white men, two black men. I'll save the joke because uh, that kind of writes itself. Uh, yeah. Four white women and one Latina woman. Oh, hell, damn that. 111 have been white men. 
Okay, we know what Clarence Thomas is. So let, 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 on, let, man, let, don't let, do that. Let's say No, we gonna do that. Don't do that. Come on, man. No, yeah, don't I'm do doing that. That's not right. That's not right. No, it is not. It is not. It is not blackness. It is not. No, it ain't about disagreeing. It ain't about blackness in terms of authenticity. Come on. But, but my, hey. but, okay, I'll stop. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop hey. because I'm not gonna steal your joy and I'm not gonna derail this moment by talking about That's him. Right. It ain't about him. It's about Kataji Brown Jackson. Not about him. Um, it is not about him. And so, uh, look, it's, it's there's a lot of there. There are a lot of um, even though even though even though. Let me just add. Let me just add though. What I sure would if, if I could if you could grant me three wishes, Aladdin. Um, one of them would be I'd love to see Jenny Thomas's text right about now. <laughs> I mean, to I'm him. saying, dude. I, I, I mean, I love that's, 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 that's why. That's why I couldn't. That's who's, why I couldn't resist. Whose would be oh, worse? Yeah, no. Whose would be okay. worse? This, this ain't about this ain't, this ain't about black people as a monolith, Michael. This ain't about blackness yeah. and, and argument. No, this is about your insurrectionist wife. It's a okay. This, this is it's it's about spirit, who you right. are. This is about who you are and and and, and what your household is like, but. I digress. Right. I digress. Judge Jackson. Yeah. No, there's a. It's been said. Joy is an act of resistance. Going back to my original point, joy is an act of resistance. And there's so many reasons every single day to to feel down and discouraged about not only the state of this country but the direction in which it is heading. You know, uh, pick a story, pick a headline, pick an issue. But for t- for today, for this moment. Going back to, um, you know, Dawn Staley on this day. <laughs> yeah. As for me in my house, yeah. it's going to be a moment of, of joy and celebration to see that face, that smile, that woman, that story, that journey sit on the highest court uh, in this land. So, and you know, what? I, I ain't got and nothing I, else I deep to say. I, I ain't got nothing deep to say. Nothing profound to say. Other than oh happy it is day. Profound. That's all I got. I, oh story, happy day. The story itself. The story itself. It speaks is for itself. Profound. The story speaks it's, for itself. It, yes. Here, here's the, the the profundity comes with us in this format on this show on this day, talking about Katanji Brown Jackson, the first black woman uh, on, on, to sit on the Supreme Court. I mean that's deep in itself. But I wonder mm-hmm. what I want to know as we go forward, because it's one thing to say what somebody is. And then you have to I, I would hope I would hope accountability comes in. So for, for Ted Cruz to say what he has said about Judge Jackson um, for for Josh Hawley to say what he has said uh, for for Blackburn. I don't know what you talking about. <laughs> I don't know what you on but for all these people to come up with their comments about who this judge is. I would hope that they are now okay. I thought I lost the microphone. Uh, I hope they are now uh, accountable when her record now and her actions will speak yeah. for themselves. They had they had this brief window where they could speak for a judge out of context, and the judge couldn't say, or or she could say, but nobody would listen. Hey, this is what I've done. The great thing about the Supreme Court, it's all open now. It's all mm-hmm. on the record. Everybody. So yep. you could go so, there right now. You could go to it, you, you, uh, family could go to the Supreme Court website right now and look at a true radical. I think you'll find a radical in the Supreme Court. We mentioned it before. The radical, the, the, the Supreme Court does have a radical. Is is one dude who's a radical? His name's Clarence Thomas. 
Okay, he's a radical on the Supreme Court. Nobody thinks like him. Nobody on the right thinks like him, thinks like him. And he and even worse, Mike, he rarely speaks. He doesn't even defend himself. He just puts out his stuff and doesn't even and mm. uh, doesn't even try to defend his it. opinions. So yeah, I, I would hope I would hope that people look at her judge her no pun intended judge her fairly for what she's done. And I think for the left and the right, please stop. Please stop the I'm gonna get you back. I'm gonna get you back. Oh, wait, wait till you get your next nominee. I, I, oh, I got something for you because that's what this became. This became less about the confirmation and more about settling scores. Uh, speaking of scores scoreboard uh, nine member court for the first time ever more most at one time composed of four women. Um, Judge Jackson uh, Justice Jackson. I beg your pardon. Justice Jackson. Yes, uh, and justices Sonia Sotomayor Alina Kagan and uh, of course Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, like I said most ever at one time. It's also the first time in US history that white men won't be the majority on the Supreme Court. The bench will include five men, four of them white. Uh, but of course, conservatives still hold a six-three majority. All right. So you want that joke break. so bad? You want to do it? You want to do it so bad? What? You want to do it so bad? You said you said. No, I already said it. I already said it. I already said it. Four of them white. I already said it. I already said it. I already said it. I'm good. Right. I'm good. It's it's it, like you said. The record speaks for itself. Let's take a break because I don't even feel like uh, contorting myself to to pivot and transition. Um, to the other judicial or, uh, you know, yeah, legislative, the other courtroom story of the day um, in yeah. sports. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but yeah, let's just take a break and keep taking it all in on this historic day. Man, oh man. We're going out to dinner tonight and toasting Justice Katanji Brown Jackson. Sounds good, doesn't it? it sounds great. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. I'll tell you guys this. Uh, I've always prided myself in doing the right thing um, in this business, and I can't say that's true about everybody in this business. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very cutthroat business, and a lot of guys will tell you that. But I, I allowed myself uh, at one point when I was in Tennessee uh, to get caught up in something I, I regret, and I still regret it. But uh, the ownership there, uh, Amy Adams Trunk and her family came in and, and told me I was going to be the head coach in 2016 uh, before they went through the, the Rooney rule. And so I sat there knowing I was the head coach in 16 as they went through this fake hiring process, knowing uh, knowing a lot of the coaches that they were interviewing, knowing how much they prepared to go through those interviews, knowing that, that everything they could do and they had no chance of getting that job. And actually the GM, John Robinson, he was in on the interview with me. He's, he had no idea why he's interviewing me, that I have the job already. And I feel, I, you know, I regret that's because I pride myself in my, my kids first that they do the right thing. And I always said that to the players. And here I am, the head guy not doing it. And I've regretted that since then. It was the wrong thing to do. I, I'm sorry I did that. Um, but it was not the way to go about it. Should have interviewed like everybody else and got hired because of the interview, not not early on. So that's that's probably my biggest regret.
Hey Michael, do you wow. ever go to a, you ever go to the drugstore and is it would you like your receipt and you say yes and then they give you like this long scroll with like a bunch of coupons you're never going to use like they got to roll Shout up the receipt CBS. like yeah CBS. like I regret asking for this receipt there yeah, are right. receipts and then there's that what Mike Malarkey just provided put Mike Malarkey name, in the name. same VIP section the same VIP name, section name. as Bruce Arians put Mike Malarkey in the same VIP section as Bruce Arians there's talking about it and then there's being about it and Mike Malarkey voluntarily acknowledging his role I said it at the Super Bowl I said it a million times you said it a million times a lesson until white people take up this fight and dismantle the system that they created and benefit from this is a man who benefited from this system saying this ain't right it's, it takes more Mike Malarkey's Okay, to, to truly bring everything to light, to air the NFL's dirty laundry when it comes to its centuries, its century old, I beg your pardon, century old practice of systemic racism that Brian Flores, amendment by amendment, and now defendant by defendant and plaintiff by plaintiff continues to expose. The thing I like about what Brian Flores and now Ray Horton and Steve Wilkes, they are now have now joined him as plaintiffs in this lawsuit. They've added the Titans, the Cardinals, and the Texans as as defendants, in addition to the Broncos, the Giants, and the Dolphins, of course. Um, and the rest of the NFL as, as John Doe's. Um, what I love about it is Brian Flores, while employed by the Pittsburgh Steelers, is not playing prevent. Brian Flores continues to bring right. pressure. He continues right. to apply right. pressure. He they continue right. to blitz the NFL. Oh, oh, your nice little diversity committee. Yeah, that's nice. Your hiring mandate yeah. for one minority black, you know, person of color or woman on offense that the league's going to pay for. Yeah, that's cute. We ain't finished with you yet. We ain't through with you yet. Okay, right. you're not just going to go on with the offseason and go to the draft and start next season. Yeah, I, congratulations on your amazing month of March when it comes to free agency. Oh, that, that that's awesome. But there's still business to be done and we're still we're still going to apply pressure says Brian Flores and now co-plaintiffs Steve Wilkes and Ray Horton and maybe others and ally Mike Malarkey who says something in 2020 that thankfully is just now seeing the light of day. Mike, major. Mike, sometimes this is major. Sometimes you have to know. Sometimes you have to know your opponent. You have to know who you're going to pick a fight with, and what their tendencies are, and the amount of urgency and the amount of seriousness that they'll bring to the fight. And I think the NFL just totally misjudged Brian Flores. Okay, let me tell you, who Brian Flores is Brian Flores. Uh, he's a New Yorker, came up the hard way, son of immigrants in New York. Went to BC, was a defensive player at Boston College. Very, you know, leader, defensive, aggressive. When he finally got his opportunity to lead the Patriots defense, he was more aggressive than any Patriots defensive coordinator they've ever had. I'm going to include Bill Belichick. Mm -hmm. he, he took aggressiveness to another level in their 2018 championship season. This is who he is. Very smart guy, very serious guy. So, when the NFL, I think the NFL made a big mistake when it said in response to Brian Flores's contract, 
I mean, Ryan Flores' lawsuit. lawsuit. Yeah, without said, merit. <laughs> without merit. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Oh, oh, really? <laughs> really? Oh, really? <laughs> without merit. You know, I always go back to, like, sometimes you know, there's a trigger for people. I'm convinced. We were talking about uh, D.C. Uh, politics and the, in, in, in the Senate and Congress. I'm convinced that William Jefferson Clinton met his match and got himself in trouble that day when he said on camera, I did not have sex with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I bet she was watching said, oh, oh, I'm that woman now? Okay. <laughs> All right then. All right, I got something for you. Oh, I'm that woman after what we shared. So it's the same thing. That was a trigger and that he went down a path that, that history has chronicled very well. The NFL, by saying this is without merit, to Brian Flores, who not only has help over the top now, but he's got additional receipts, Mike. You talked about that long receipt. How about he's got details, emails from his uh, uh, his correspondence with Chris Greer, the general manager in Miami, and others. He's doc- he doc- there's a paper trail. He documented it. About yes. Stephen Ross. He documented it. And about that was the tanking from December. Yes. From December yes. in two, December 2019. Mike Malarkey. Yes. That's a receipt. Bill Belichick, whether he wanted to or not, he's got a receipt with his text exchange with Brian Flores. At some point, the NFL should just say, all right, we're wrong here. We're, 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 we're wrong here. Because the, the beautiful thing, and I'll say this before I pass it back to you, the beautiful thing and the authentic thing about what Brian Flores is doing here with this lawsuit, if you look at the ask, I don't see I want $25 million. No, no. It's not, not I don't see that. No, no. He's he's talking about transparency. I want transparency right. in the hiring practices. I want there right. to be incentive and, and, and incentives I don't like. for hiring that, black that coaches. I'm not feeling. I don't like that. I know. That you know, like, you right? know, I'm not That's feeling like, that one. I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, I'm not. I'm with yeah. you too. I'm with you. Yeah, but but these are the things he's asking for. He's asking for changes to the infrastructure changes Mm -hmm. to the communication. Like when he mentioned John Elway and John Elway took exception when he said Elway was disheveled, you know, talking about a man talking about a brother dressed, say he was disheveled and hung over and Elway was like, no, we had a great interview. Okay, in that case, it's Brian Flores's word versus Elway's. Well, Elway, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see the notes from John Elway. I'd love to see a, 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 just a, a list, a very clear list of, hey, why we thought Brian Flores was not the guy for us, and we went in this direction. Yeah. And Ray Horton has receipts. Ray Horton has receipts too. Ray Horton's Steve receipts I mean, match up with my. They match up with Mike Malarkey's. Steve, Steve Wilkes in Arizona. I mean, it's like. Y'all, y'all can't just sweep this aside, sweep it under the rug, and think that we're just going to forget about it, says these black coaches who have been denied opportunities for decades. And they continue to say the quiet parts out loud and dare these teams in the NFL to prove them wrong. You know, right. it's like, if I, if I got the receipt, no different than if I'm going back to the store, I have the receipt here. What are you going to do about this? How are, we, how are you going to explain this away? Because in, 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 in each of these instances, these teams have some explaining to do. You That's know, right. even, if they're, even if their explanation is reasonable or rational, they still have to find a way to, prove, to, to disprove 
the evidence that we have seen over, the, over, over several decades throughout NFL history when it comes to there being a double standard. There's, there's, there's tangible and empirical, but also anecdotal evidence of a double standard throughout NFL history when it comes to coaches. So now it's the NFL's day of reckoning where they're what well, they're on trial and they have to prove that this is just a figment of our imagination. The only other thing that makes me somewhat uncomfortable is Lovey yeah. Smith here. Um, because Lovey Smith. Well, Lovey right. Smith. No, no, and we I'm had this not, conversation before at all. Well, I am because Lovey Smith as we've so? said Tell before. Well, we talked about this before. Lovey Smith, if you put Lovey Smith and Brian Flores side by side, I could argue that Lovey Smith is more qualified than Brian Flores is. So you're telling me that now if you're going off what the report was, whether it was the Eagles defensive coordinator, Josh McCown and Brian right. Flores, if you're going off the reports, right. media reports, which aren't always 100% accurate or reliable, but if you're going off right, of that right. to suggest that the Texans then pivoted away from where they wanted to go with Josh McCown and did not go with Brian Flores, but instead settled for Lovey Smith, I feel bad for Lovey Smith because Lovey Smith is not Josh McCown. You understand what I'm saying? Like Lovey Smith is right, qualified, right? right. right and Lovey exactly, Smith deserved exactly the opportunity. Job. So I feel yeah. like. So he, he's I was watching collateral last night. He's collateral damage in this. He's caught in a crossfire. In this. He's an innocent bystander in this who just had a, yeah. a, a resume and a qualification that made him qualified to do this job. I hate that he his credibility is undermined as a byproduct well, of these yeah, allegations. Yeah. That's the only part if, I'm if, uncomfortable with. But again, yeah. prove Brian Flores wrong. Prove him wrong that right. you did that you did not hire him for any other reason other than the fact that he filed a lawsuit against the NFL. Hey, listen, hey man, um, if it happened that way, I'm with you. If that's exactly what happened, if it's a little different story if Lovey Smith's story, if, if the, his, the story of his actual hiring is not what is presented by Brian Flores and his attorneys. Yes, I'm uncomfortable and I feel bad for Lovey, but if it's the other way around, yeah, 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 Lovey, you just you you, you got caught up in the machine. Yes, you got you got caught up in it, and I know many and coaches I'll, wouldn't turn it down. They wouldn't turn it down sure. if they're if they're gonna be sure. if you're gonna be a pawn in this larger game, and the pawn and and being a pawn results in well, he millions may not of even, dollars. But he may not have even. Yeah. But I don't. But he may I don't not even go there because he, he exactly. He may not be complicit in this. But but will, okay. But pawns I, don't know. I'll, but but just, just because you're a pawn, pawns don't know. Pawns don't always know that they're pawns. Well, that's so what I'm saying. Like but the way you but the way you describe it just now, the way you describe yeah. it just now is that he went along to get along. And I, and I don't know that he. I'm not saying that about Lovey, but he may have unknowingly been a part of their of the larger game, but here, man, larger look, chess game. But I'm saying this. I'm agreeing with you insofar as that hiring a Lovey Smith, hiring a black coach, a qualified black coach, does not provide you cover. And more than one thing can be true at the same time. They could have blackballed or whiteballed, if you prefer, Brian Flores and hired a qualified black coach. Yes, Just yes. as the Miami Dolphins could have wronged Brian Flores and went and hired yes. Mike McDaniel. That doesn't right. that doesn't provide them cover. <laughs> you know what I mean for what they for doing Brian Flores wrong or the Texans hiring Lovey Smith doesn't provide them cover for not hiring Brian Flores or 
for using David Cully the way that they did. I so we can have multiple with, truths, with, with parallel truths here. Yeah, I, I do need to uh, uh, say this though about the NFL. If they wanted to, and they don't, but if they really wanted to uh, conduct an investigation that that brought a that, that brought an objective result, they could. But they usually don't. They usually go into an investigation. They call up, uh, you know, their law firm in New York. You have Ted Wells and, and others who kind of do the job that they want. So whether it was Deflate Gate, whether it was the bullying uh, in, in with Richie Incognito, uh, by Richie Incognito in Miami, whether it's Bounty Gate, they usually go in with an idea of what they're going to get. And they get that result just like sure. the NFL did this with Robert Mueller. Yeah, that Robert Mueller uh, before mm -hmm. he before there was a Mueller report. Robert Mueller was hired by the NFL to find if there was a phone call made tipping the mm -hmm. NFL off about that Ray Rice video and Robert mm -hmm. Mueller did an investigation. And he found nothing. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I didn't find anything. I didn't find yeah. anything. And he didn't he didn't even need a bill Barr to soften it for him. I mean, he just didn't he didn't find anything. So if the NFL really wants to get to the bottom of this. It can. Well, I'm not sure there you go. It was no, to... you, you ain't even got to be not sure you are sure. I appreciate you being fair, but you are sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. they, no, there is no there is no. So you can find out. They don't want to right now. It's for this. It's the you same can find reason out today. It's the same reason. You find out today what Stephen Ross did. You know a conversation why I don't sit around that I don't sit around spending a lot of time on and a concept that I don't hold my breath about it is reparations. Because not only can America literally not afford to pay black people what they owe us economically for building this country. Reparations also comes with an admission that white people didn't get ahead because they're better. Okay, that the game was rigged, that the system was rigged in your favor. So it, it, it comes with an admission that you that you didn't just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, Martin Luther King comes to mind. And it's a cruel joke to ask a bootless man to pull himself up by his bootstraps. That that this that this country, you you had certain inherent advantages that allowed you and your descendants to be as successful, and that that created the wealth gap in this country. Likewise. The NFL does not want to dismantle this system because they benefit from it. A, these white owners don't want to be told what to do with their family-run businesses more often than not. B, these coaches don't want to be told who they can't hire because that comes at their right. expense. Okay? As I've said before, the, 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 the issue is not just at the ownership level. It's at the head coach level because a lot of these head coaches. That's why Bruce Arians. What he did was 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 big time. These head coaches are continuing to perpetuate this cycle by by maintaining a glass ceiling at the coordinator level, which is a step right the next step uh, beneath head coach maintaining that glass ceiling hiring their boys literally and figuratively to be coordinators. Okay, or these GMs and he's and he's agents are in cahoots when it comes to which coaches gets hot get hired. There's an entire yeah. system that involves the media that involves NFL insiders that involves empire owners GMs. There's an entire 
power dynamic here that if, that if they upset it, it, there's an economic shift that would take place that they ain't willing. To, they're not willing to undergo. What? Well, okay, if they don't, if you really don't want to get to the root of the problem, you know what the NFL should do right now? Probably settle. You better settle because if Brian Flores has this kind of support now and he's got people who are either intentionally or unintentionally bringing receipts, like Mike Malarkey said this before he even knew about a, a, a Brian Flores lawsuit. Yeah. This is two years ago. So yeah. that's unintentional. Bill Belichick was unintentional. Uh, Steve Wilkes is intentional. Ray Horton is, in, is intentional. But what happens when Brian Flores shows you a, another card? Hey, oh, we, he we're playing poker. You know he's got more. I haven't showed you. I haven't showed you everything I've got in yeah, my you hand. Know he's got more. Do you want to? Do you want to take a chance that I can embarrass you further, or do you want to work with us? It's up to you. And you don't even know <laughs> what what. What other intentional and unintentional comments are called are, are coming? It, it from can never either be current left coaches up to them. or former coaches. But see, but see, even even if they wanted to settle, or they wanted to say, hey, you know what? Let's just work together on this. They can't be trusted for all the reasons we just laid out because they don't really want to dismantle this system. They've been given every opportunity, every opportunity to do the right thing. They wouldn't. It took a lawsuit. That's why I said the other day they should be ashamed of themselves that they've had to for they have to now force teams to put a minority coach, a person of color or a woman on the offensive side of the ball. That's what it's come to. They should be ashamed of themselves that the word incentive has to come up when it comes to black coaches. They should be ashamed of themselves for giving teams that develop black coaches draft compensation when another team decides Oh wow, that black coach is the best coach for our organization and the, and the team that they came from or GM for that matter. The team that they came from gets draft pick compensation. They cannot be trusted to do the right thing. They cannot be trusted to police themselves. This is just on the racial front. This is just on the racial equity front. We ain't even talked about gender because they got Letitia right. James and six attorneys general up their ass now. Bro, did you read the letter that came out today? Okay. These recent allegations suggest I'm I'll, I'll just pick it up. Um, I'll read it from the top. We all watched in horror in 2014 when the video of Ray Rice striking, knocking out and spitting on his fiance was made public in the aftermath. You promised to take gender violence seriously and prove the institutional culture for women in the NFL. These recent allegations suggest that you have not. Female employees reported that they were subjected to repeated viewings of the rice video with commentary by coworkers that the victim had brought the violence on herself. Other women reported that in a training intended to improve sensitivity on the issue, they were asked to raise their hand to self identify if they had been victims of domestic violence or knew someone who had this is not doing better. Anti-discrimination laws in many states, including New York, prohibit employers from subjecting domestic violence victims as well as women and people of color to a hostile work environment. Mike, they're not playing. All of this right. is entirely unacceptable and potentially unlawful. The NFL must do better. Pink jerseys are not a replacement for equal treatment yeah. and full inclusion of women right. in the workplace. Our offices will use the full weight of our authority to investigate and prosecute allegations of harassment, discrimination, or retaliation by employees throughout our states, including at the National Football League. In short, it's above them now. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is something that the league 
uh, hasn't hasn't taken seriously, has had many opportunities to take seriously. And now when you do that, when you keep when you keep taking that approach, the message you're sending to everybody else is, hey, uh, you'll have this energy, you'll have this focus for a little bit, and then we'll move on and you'll be distracted by the games, you'll be distracted by the offseason, and it will go away. We get to we get to uh, we get to set the temperature. We get to frame the discussion and what these uh, attorneys general are saying is that no, you don't. And what Brian Flores is saying is no, you don't. You don't. Yeah. We're going to take it outside of, of the NFL uh, meeting rooms. We're going to take it out of the NFL uh, uh, framework and we're really going to uh, attack you and see how you deal with it. So I, I can't wait to see what, what, what comes of it because something more will come. And I, I also oh, I yeah. want to say this. There, I want to, I want to say more this people will come. More people will come. Strength in numbers. If, I, I, think I, I feel like I'm on an island because I'm one of the few people who says the Rooney rule in spirit is a good rule. In spirit, if you follow the spirit of it, it, it it's fine. It should transform you. But I would say also... What the Rooney rule, what the Rooney's are about, benefits all coaches. Benefits all coaches. Yeah. What they're saying is, slow down, be patient, develop Michael. coaches, stop with the one and dones, stop the, looking the around rule. after two rough years. It's just, it's just, it's just the messaging. Going back to politics, it's not a rule. It's a rule of thumb. It's a philosophy. It's a paradigm. Yep. Some would call it a suggestion. That's why it hasn't worked. So, you know, and listen, the Rooney's have the right idea. That's all it is, is an ideal. Keep, keep applying pressure. Keep applying pressure. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. I'm hopeful that uh, Embiid wins it because, you know, because he does talk about it and it's, and it's something that, you know, it's one of those carrots out there that he's reaching for. But I think the most deserving guy is Jokic. Uh, he hasn't missed any games. And, you know, night in and night out, I mean, he's, he's done he did better than he did last year. So <laughs> he was MVP last year. <laughs> and when you get better, I don't think you lose status. Uh, not if it's a fair if it's a fair fight, but I'm going to pull for Embiid because he's my guy. And then the Takupo, who knows how he's going to finish up. But both he and both Embiid and the Takupo have, have missed several weeks of play. Jokic has been out there every night. Appreciate the fair, impartial, and objective take on the part part of uh, Dr. J. Uh, speaking of objective, of our smartest. Brothers from another Tom Haberstroh is here. So Tom tonight is a uh, a great night. If you're an undecided MVP voter, you get uh, Celtics at Bucks. You get Grizzlies at Nuggets uh, and you get Sixers at Raptors. I wonder 
if you haven't already determined your MVP, what is your thought process when it comes to mm. selecting most valuable player for you? To me, I try to take away the narrative part. I try to stick to who is the best player in the NBA for this season. And to me, the answer is if you're looking at the box score numbers, the traditional stats, it's Jokic. It's Jokic. If you're looking at the advanced stats, he's having one of the most historic team, uh, seasons of all time. He's got that box checked. And if you want to look at narrative, talking about like Dr. J said, this guy won MVP last year and he got better. Another narrative piece. He has, you know, they're, they're in the top six of the Western Conference without two and three of their best players. Number two and number three of their best players are Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray. So, I think Jokic has the box score stats above Giannis and Joel Embiid. He has the advanced stats, the best PER. Um, you know, if you go across the board, he's just got that taken. His efficiency is, is Steph Curry-esque at the seven-foot center position. And then, of course, just the supporting cast that he has is borderline G League. I mean, what they have on that Denver roster compared to what LeBron has or compared to what KD has or compared to what Joel has or Giannis has, it's not even a question. The Nuggets have no business of being how good they are this season. The reason is where they are in the standings. Nikola Jokic, he is incredible. I think he's my MVP, regardless of what happens in the next two nights. You know, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm wondering just I'm just throwing this out. I want I want both of you to take this one and and see if I'm uh, if I have something here. Would it be would it be a different conversation if he hadn't won last year? And the reason I ask you that is because you said and you're right. He was MVP last year and he got better. So it's almost like the incumbent the 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 advantage of the incumbent. Hey man, you really got to screw it up to lose office. So <laughs> He had the office last year. He gets better. Is there almost, do you feel like some type of obligation or you think any voter feels an obligation? If I gave it to him last year and the numbers say he's better, can I go in another direction? Do you think that helps? Yeah, I, think I mean, opposite, I, actually, I think, I think it makes it easier. I, I think when somebody it, wins easier MVP, to go somewhere else. Well, no, I think it's easier to give it to him. In, in other words, like it's 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 so undeniable. That's my point. Like when when, so, when, when well, oh, you're saying okay. I thought you meant like is it difficult to go in another direction? Maybe I'm no. I'm saying question. I'm saying, but does he have an does he have a built-in advantage? I'm saying if he, if he hadn't won last year, no, is this I, no, a I mean it makes it clear cut argument. I think it makes it I think it makes it clear cut when you when somebody wins MVP last year and then they take it to a whole nother level, it, it allows you to look at it objectively without just like any kind of carryover. At least in my mind. Like I could look at this season and what Jokic is doing and not think well in order to beat a man you got to beat the man or something like that or or he was the, the front runner coming in. You can look at it just on the strength of this season and say how do I give it to somebody else independent of what he did last year. To me, I don't know why this is even an argument. Honestly, like Giannis is a better defensive player. Joel is a better defensive player, but Jokic has them both in the steals uh, category as well. And let's not forget here. Okay. Blocks are only steals 57% of the time. So even though he's not a shot blocker, he's also not a goaltender, right? When, when Giannis gets all these blocks, not every time he makes, makes that block, 
does the Bucks get the ball back? And so I do think it's a little misleading to point to, you know, shots block statistics and showing why Jokic doesn't belong in this conversation because defensively he's not the same as Giannis and Embiid. He is a good defender. He's not elite, but offensively he's a seven foot Steph Curry. He has a true shooting percentage of 66%, meaning He's shooting 66% from the floor once we account for the extra value of the three-point shot and the free throw. So he is incredibly efficient. Kyle Korver-esque, but he's taking much more difficult shots than what Kyle Korver would do. So when, I, when I'm talking about Jokic, it's not just about the efficiency. It's not just about his supporting cast. He's also second in rebounds per game. He's playing a lot more, as Dr. Jay said, so when we talk about Jokic, we're almost trying to find reasons not to give him the award rather than realizing he's got everything you want out of an MVP except for that supporting cast. Because at the end of the day, the only reason why Jokic isn't a, on a 60-win team is because the counterparts that he needs to be a 60-win team are injured yeah. and they haven't played all year. So the idea, yeah. hey, we need to pick an MVP from the number one team or the number two team, that's always been true because I think we used a lot of, I don't know, old-fashioned thinking in awarding the MVP. And I do think with the information that we have now, we can be a little bit more nuanced and say, yeah, look at the supporting cast of Joel Embiid and, and Giannis Antetokounmpo and the other candidates. It ain't yeah. nothing compared to the adversity that Jokic has felt this year. Well, going back to the defensive prowess, second in defensive win shares and first in defensive box plus minus, uh, if you enter those advanced stats. Um, and I would, and just to put a bow on that point, Michael Holly, I would say that the MVP last year may actually work against him. Not only can you, not only is taking it to another level, allow you to look at it objectively, but it could work against him in terms of voter fatigue or, like like Tom just said, looking for a reason to give it to somebody new since he's already gotten it. Tom, uh, meanwhile, Philadelphia goes to uh, Toronto tonight. That could end up being, if things hold, uh, the 4-5 matchup. Matisse Thibel, apparently not vaccinated and therefore unavailable to play uh, in Toronto. Um, the significance of his potential absence, if this is the 4-5 matchup. Could we see Philadelphia go out in the first round to a, a very hot and, and, to say the least, dangerous Toronto Raptors team? Hey, you might want Ben Simmons now, huh? The, the, the best perimeter defender in the NBA, Matisse Thibel being out for the, the road games in Toronto. Be nice to have Ben Simmons, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's the big issue here is that they don't have a lot of great elite perimeter defenders after Matisse Thibel. Like when you look at Danny Green, maybe he can fulfill that in parts, but he's past his prime. They need Thibel to be there available the entire series if they want their best shot, their best foot forward. Now, I will say this. I believe it is possible that if Matisse Thibel gets the J&J shot today and becomes uh, vaccinated today with the one shot, there is time. We're getting pretty close. The clock is almost midnight here, but 14 days out of a full dose of the J&J shot would put him pretty close to that, that game three in Toronto hypothetical. We're getting very close to that here. So it is possible, I guess, for him to be available and get vaccinated before it goes to Toronto. But I will say that this is a, this is a loss. And, you know, I do think that this is an important storyline because they are thin at the wing defensive position. They traded Ben Simmons partly because they had Thibel and they knew, hey, we're losing a, a great defender in, in Ben Simmons, but we can throw Matisse at those guys. So, you know, perimeter wise, 
they're going to have their hands full with Fred Van Vliet and with uh, with Pascal Siakam, uh, OG Ananobi, and and uh, and Sky Barnes. But when you look at this team, it all comes down to Joel Embiid. If he's going to defend that back line, I feel a whole lot better of losing Thibault. You know what? Uh, Michael Smith gave you a great introduction off the top, calling you one of our smartest brothers. I agree with him. So since we got the basketball Illuminati, uh, the, the, the intelligentsia is right here in front of us. I got to get it. We got to get some insight on the Lakers, what happened to the Lakers, and what to do with the Lakers. We were trying to figure this out. I know we don't have all the time to go through it, but just, uh, just your, your top of mind thoughts on what happened to them and, and what to do going forward. Man, they, they bought into Lakers exceptionalism. They thought that they could fix Russell Westbrook and make him an efficient player in today's NBA where, you know, the Wizards and the Rockets realized, hey, we need to surround this guy with shooters and downsides so we don't have bigs in the paint, clogging up the paint for Russell Westbrook to get to the rim. He's not a jump shooter. He can't jump. He can't shoot jumpers. I'm arguing that he's shooting with the wrong hand. I believe that he he is. I know for a fact left-handed and he's shooting with, his, uh, his right hand, he should be shooting left-handed. It's not working for him. But the, beside the point, they used to play against the Rockets in the, in the playoffs and did not defend him. And yet they looked at Russell Westbrook and said, we want that guy on our team because we have LeBron and we have AD and who cares? Well, the answer is they did not realize they need to space the floor, not have DeAndre Jordan or not have Dwight Howard out there at the five. And they basically did the worst thing you could possibly do with Russell Westbrook is we, we're going to clog up the paint and we're going to put the ball in LeBron James's hands. So it's going to be a horrible fit. I don't know how they unravel this. Like you said, this is a really difficult situation because of the contract next year, 40 plus million dollars on the books. Who's going to take that contract? The only team that I see picking up that contract is the Houston Rockets with, a, with another clutch client in John Wall, who the Lakers don't want to trade for by packaging the 2027 20, first round pick. The Lakers don't want to sweeten the deal so that they take the Russell Westbrook contract off their hands. And I get that, but you know what I think that's all about? I think the unwillingness to put in that 2027 first round pick is the Lakers don't want to give assets up for when LeBron, LeBron leaves. leaves. Yeah. They don't want to do it. Yeah. They know LeBron is already yeah. checked out or and I'm, I'm not reporting that. I'm saying, the reason why they did not give up that 2027 pick has to have something to do with the long-term plans of the franchise. And if you believe that LeBron James is going to be effective and with the team in 2027, I think they're a lot more willing to give up that pick. But because they don't have a long-term commitment, nor do they feel like they want to maybe pair themselves with LeBron James super long-term here, I can see why they don't want to give up that pick. Let's get to the LA team that's actually got a future, uh, a short-term future, uh, <laughs> that is, and a better long-term future for that matter, and that's the Clippers, who got Norman Powell back and looked really good last night. I'm going to ask you a, kind of a loaded question in the interest of time, and I know you can handle it, so I'm going to just pepper you with a few things. So Michael and I got into it yesterday. Uh, Michael treating the Suns like Tiger Woods back in the day. You know, Suns versus the field, he's taking the Suns. In the Western Conference in particular, though, the Clippers, I love for your evaluation of the Clippers as a potential, let's just call them Nets of the West in terms of that proverbial, I know you're not crazy about the Nets, but that proverbial team that no one wants to play 
you know, with Norman Powell back and who knows, maybe even Kawhi Leonard, although that's a longer shot. And the other team I want to sneak in because he had a great performance last night. I know it wasn't against top-notch competition, but Dallas and Luka Doncic. Those are two teams that I, I think we should be talking more about besides the Suns and Grizzlies and Warriors. Take it away, Tom. Yeah. I love Dallas. I love that as a sleeper pick this year because of Luka is that special. Paul George and the Clippers and Norman Powell, I'm a little bit more skeptical of because they need healthy Kawhi, need Paul George to make that upset. However, that said, can't be with you, Holly, about how good the Suns are in terms of just how invincible they are, whether I would take them over the field. I can't do that. Look, they're a great team this year, and as, as the graphic shows, they're seven and a half games up on the Memphis Grizzlies. However, historically, we're not talking about an all-time great team. They're not top 10 in terms of wins. They're not top 20 in terms of wins. They're 24th all-time in win percentage in the regular season. And what's more predictive than win percentage, how many wins you have, is your point differential. How, how many points do you outscore the opponent in, in your games? Your margin of victory is more predictive of how you do in the postseason than your actual record and by margin of victory they're plus 7.7 this season that ranks 60th all time so they go from 24th by record down to 60th all time I can't take the I can't take them over the field when they're the 60th best team all time there are there's a bunch of teams that have been better historically and even then I would have a tough time picking them over the field so the Suns amazing team Probably the best Suns team we've seen in the, in, like in the Nash hey, wait era. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, no. Doesn't sound like you believe they're an amazing team. Doesn't sound like it. I, I just it don't think they're all time great. I don't think they're all time great. You're giving them a nice little. Give them a head pass. Sound familiar, my head pass. Sound familiar? You're giving them a head pass. No? Well, thank you, what? Tom. I, I, again, it's, it's, it's no okay. different than parents, Tom. It's like when you say it, it's it, like it registers. It registers for Michael when you say it. We're not saying not an all-time yeah. great team. He thinks I'm hating. <laughs> so well, let me ask you, you this. Let, let me ask you both. No, no, I'll just ask you, Tom. If you don't think they're an all-time great team, uh, if you have to pick somebody right now who you think is going to win the NBA championship, I know it's a long season, all the cliches, but if you have to pick a champion right now, pick a champion. Oh, it's the Suns. The two different questions, though. Okay. It, yeah, it's okay. two okay. different okay. questions. Right. I, hey, hey, okay, right. What, what? My point was not, hey, they're better than the '96 Bulls. I didn't say that. I didn't say they're better than the '86 Celtics or or the the Warriors. Any of that? I said they're going to win the championship. They're going to win the West, and it's really not that complicated. That's what I said to Michael Smith yesterday. He, I don't know what he's kind of. Trying to spin to you. I said, I said Suns. Well, I'm not spending anything. I'm, I'm not spending anything. Suns versus the field. You, Michael. Oh my God. This is. I can't believe you pulled. Suns versus the field. And the, first of all, I know Tom Habershaw too. Tom Habershaw, correct me if I'm wrong. In the history of X versus the field, you have never taken X that I can recall because you know better. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah. point yeah. being, I think the Suns are going to win the championship. Okay. That's not even a hot take. That's that's fine. Okay. They're the best team in the league this year. The Suns will win the championship and nobody has a chance to beat them or nobody. I can't see anybody beating them is a completely different take than the Suns are my pick to win the championship. So Tom and I are struggling with the latter. They're not. It's not the same thing. It's not. It is. It's, it's not the same of, thing. It is. Okay. If I think All they're right. going to if I think they're going to win the championship. Why do I okay. think they're going to win the championship? Okay. Why do I think that? Why do you think that? 
Okay. Well, uh, um, do you look, think- I'm ro- I'm rooting for Chris Paul to win the championship, yeah. not just because I'm a demon deacon, but I, because I think he's more underrated historically just because he hasn't won that championship and he's come so close and have been on some amazing teams that did not get there because of injury. And I hope they stay healthy and I hope they win the championship for the sake of sanity in the Chris Paul conversation. However, a lot can go Agreed. wrong from that for them. Chris Paul, he is, you know, 35 years old, 36 years old. And it's, and there's an injury factor risk factor with him last year. He got injured with the shoulder. Then he could barely dribble and he could barely shoot. If you listen to that JJ Reddick interview on JJ Reddick's podcast, it's amazing to hear what he went through last year and still performed at a high level. Now the question are they the favorite? Yes. Are they someone you would take over the field? No. If Steph Curry comes back and Draymond's healthy, I might take the Warriors in a series against the Phoenix Suns. That's how good the Warriors are when Draymond, Steph, and Clay are healthy. We haven't seen it all year. So that hypothetical may not ever happen this postseason. But in, in that matchup, everyone's healthy. I take the Golden State Warriors over the Phoenix Suns. Here's, here's, a, here's one where I went too far when, it, when, it was, when they first got together. Um, when the Sixers first got uh, James Harden, huh. I was like, you know, find yeah. me a better duo in the yeah. NBA. They may not have the best duo in the Eastern Conference. And I'm not even talking about the reigning champion with Giannis and Middleton. I'm talking about Tatum and Brown. And Jalen Brown's got 25 points in 10 straight games. I know they missed Robert Williams and their, and their defense obviously took a hit there. Just want to look at the Eastern Conference real quick. And, and your, your viewpoint of the Celtics and whether that duo is dynamic enough to maybe come out of the East. I think there's a chance, and I know Holly is rooting for this because last time I was on here, I kind of left them off my board in terms of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. Jalen Brown playing at this level absolutely, absolutely puts the Boston Celtics in that conversation who can come out of the East. I will say that I would rather have James Harden and Joel Embiid because of Joel okay. Embiid's two-way play. Um, if we're talking better. duos in the Eastern Conference, I would still rather have that kind of um, complementary players in terms of defense and shooting and ball handling. You get more pieces in that wedge on the Trivial Pursuit board if you have Joel Embiid and James Harden. However, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, man, like they are, they are super good. And I do think this. People point to last year's first round match between the Celtics and the, the Nets and say, man, the Nets swept them or they, they took care of business and that evidence why Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are going to go deep into the playoffs because look how good they were last year in the playoffs with Kyrie and Kevin Durant and a gimpy James Harden. I'm sorry. Did Jalen Brown play in that series? No, he did didn't. No, no. So when people talk about how good the Nets are, they use their 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 strong play in the postseason last year as evidence of that. But let's not forget that the Celtics last year didn't have Jalen Brown and we don't give that sort of caveat enough when we talk about the Nets and how good they are. I Look, man, I would put the Boston Celtics over the Nets. I would put the Philadelphia 76ers over there. I would put pretty much five, six teams in the Eastern Conference over the Brooklyn Nets. We're talking about a team that is seven and six this year with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in the lineup without James Harden. They're one game over 500 this year. And people are telling you, you don't want to play. You don't want to play Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. <laughs> man, teams have played them really well. And how... Like, I'm just looking at this from the perspective of how much respect we give to Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant when 
man, they, the Celtics didn't have Jalen Brown last year. They didn't. And this year with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant on the floor with no James Harden, they're a, basically a 500 team. So let's, let's pump the brakes on the nets. Dude, your player efficiency rating in this segment has been Nikola Jokic level on the way out. <laughs> I hear the music. Two quick ones. Rookie of the year. Oh. Real quick. Just answer. Rookie of the year. Evan Mobley for me. What's the name? Just the name. Evan Mobley. And lastly, any beef with the 2010s All-Decade team? I was surprised Kawhi didn't make it, with all due respect to Dirk. Anybody that, that you know, on the All-Decade team that you would have taken off and who you put on? I had to ask you about If that. we're just talking postseason, Kawhi has to be on there. Just an all-time great postseason player, but the regular season does not compare to Dirk. So I'm, I'm okay with that selection. Okay. So you're okay with that team. All right. And Harden, the whole team was good for you. No, no, no yeah. beef with the with the Associated Press. Awesome. Hey, man, Stro, I tell you, way to, Stroh, way to put up numbers. Stro, great, great job. I'll tell you uh, who does have beef with you, though. Wake Forest. Wake Forest for that take on on the Suns and Chris Paul. Wake Forest is disappointed in one of its oh, previous no. favorite sons. Appreciate you, Stro. Thank you, brother. Hey, they beat Carolina by 22 this year. Let's never forget that. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. with my guy Wednesday training and I always asked him after I work out when I said what you think he texts me back like well you got about three five more years and you how you moving so I, I feel good I really do feel good I feel quick I feel explosive so I don't feel like I'm slowing down and if anything I feel like I'm getting faster I feel like I'm in better shape uh, I, I keep telling people I get better with age man I don't, I don't slow down I just feel like I'm getting that much stronger I look better with age and all that Chris Sims what kind of bag I was talking about this the other day. I forgot who we had. I think it was Mike Jones from yesterday today we had on. It's like, what do you pay Aaron Donald? Like, if, you, if, you, if, if you're the Rams and you're Aaron Donald and you're getting a restructured or a whole new contract, highest paid defensive player don't seem to cut it for me. Like, shouldn't he be getting QB money? Uh, wide receiver money or whatever, whatever it is now. I just don't know how, like, you can't pay him strictly as a defensive player at this point. I hear you there. I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, like we talked about during the Super Bowl time. This is an all-time special player. He's in the special room with Lawrence Taylor, Ray Lewis, Reggie White. He's a Hall of Famer of Hall of Famers. The worth, it's hard to really put it down. You're right. And if I seem like I'm talking a little weird, all right, I got a root canal just a little while ago, and I Ooh, still came you. back here for the show. Today? All right, just to let you know, because I like you guys that Man. much. But I, hey, dog, yeah, I take I yeah. take days off because yeah. I was up late the night before. Props to you. You showed up hey, to my man. show under circumstances that I wouldn't show up to. <laughs> hey, I man. appreciate Chris, you. Brother. Thank you. Thank you, Chris Sims. <laughs> but, Chris Sims. Wait, let me let me finish on. that talk. That yeah, game yeah. ball. We got we gonna have a game ball for you. I don't know how many game balls you got in Texas and Tampa. We're gonna give you a brother from another game ball for playing hurt today. Root Canal, I love incredible. it. That that that'll be awesome. I'll take that honor. I didn't get that many game balls, so trust me, I'll take it where I can get it. <laughs> All right. And then you know, to finish that though with Aaron Donald, you're yeah. right. It's hard to put a worth on him. I mean, he should be paid like top pass rusher, 
top wide receiver. You know, you look at TJ Watt's contract, right? Around $27, $28 million a year. You know, you go, well, Aaron Donald, as much as I like Miles Garrett and TJ Watt and Joey Bosa, he certainly affects the game on a play-by-play basis more than those guys, let alone we've seen in the biggest moments he shows up. So uh, it's really one of those things where I think he could go and basically name his price to a degree, but at the same time, like we always talk about, this is a team that's built on a lot of high-priced, big-name guys, too. So how much do you want to take to where now it affects the team and all that? And I know you don't got to worry about that. The team's got to worry about that. But I think the great players do think about what's going to be surrounding them. I'm saying $30 million a year. I think that's something that's like yeah. very realistic for Aaron Donald. F them picks and, you know and F that cap. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what, you know what, Chris? He may even get above. So $30 million is probably the fair amount. Then throw on another couple million because my uncle Stan Kroenke is happy that they won the Super Bowl. So it's like a Super Bowl bonus on top of that. Third, maybe 32, 33 million dollars a year. Who knows? I'm going to ask you this though, Chris, because um, I know you you stay in the film room, and I know I'm jumping a line a little bit, a little bit. But is there, and not necessarily Aaron Donald type in the draft. But is there a Hall of Famer, when you look at your draft study, regardless of position, are you looking at somebody in the draft and you say, oh, wow, when that, when that guy gets into the league, he's going to be an all-pro for a long time, he's going to be a pro bowler for a long time, and I can't wait to see him. Is anybody really exciting you like that in your film study? Well, they're definitely, there's a lot of guys with that type of potential, and I'm not through all of it yet. I'm just in the midst of pass rushers right now which I would go, there's a few guys in that, uh, that position right there that fit that criteria. You know, Again, we didn't think Aaron Donald was going to be what Aaron Donald was coming out. But what you do try right. to look at is you know, common traits, things that have made you know, great players great. Now what can I look at them and these new college kids and take from what I learned from those great players and what translates? So you, know, you go through it. Um, the wide receiver class, as you know, is very special. Jamison Williams, to me, can be one of those guys that can be, you know, lead the league in receiving, one of the best receivers in football, big play guys. The defense ends, the offensive tackles, which I haven't got to yet, but I know just enough by looking and from what I've heard, you're going to have a lot of guys in that department as well. So I guess for long story short, Kyle Hamilton with the Notre Dame, the safety him coming out, again, awesome player. People are using the word generational talent and all that. Sure, whatever. He's really good. He has a chance to be something special because we haven't seen a guy play safety at 6'4 and 220 pounds and can you know cover like a corner and is a really good tackler. I mean, has some measurables that are Sean Taylor-ish, right? So that's rare to come along, but I got to see it on the NFL field because as you guys know, College is a different game than the NFL. It does not compare really in any way, shape, or form. It does not. It's different schematics, and it's a different group of men on that field. I want to play a game with y'all with most of the time we have left, but before we do, I have one draft-related question. Uh, is yeah. there an offensive or defensive in an attempt to narrow it down, or maybe there's one of each that comes to mind, an offensive or defensive prospect that you have received the most pushback on from the evaluators and the coaches and the league personnel that you talk to that pays attention to your rankings, and I know that they do, who have you gotten the most resistance on that sent you back to the film room? 
Well, I think my wide receiver rankings were probably my most controversial to this point, right? Where I didn't have the two Ohio State guys in my top five. I really like them. I really do. They would have been six and seven. But I went a different direction. But I'll tell you where I got some pushback. In my top five, I put Alex Pierce, Alec Pierce from Cincinnati in there. You know, I don't think a lot of people got them in the top five. A lot of people don't look at them. Maybe the draft experts as a guy that's going to go in the first two rounds. I, I just sit here and go, I, I don't understand it. Why? I mean, another guy here where it just reminds me a lot of the stories of like Chase Claypool and DK Metcalf when they come out to where I would know the production. He doesn't have enough catches. All that, and I want to go, yeah, but he's open a lot. The ball just didn't come his way. He can't help that. You know, he can't help that the offense doesn't design plays to get him the ball either. You know, so I look at him and then I go, wow, phenomenal route running and like blows by everybody. So I had some people in the NFL community like, hey, good for you for giving Alex Pierce, Alec Pierce some love. But I also had some others like, really, you're really going to put him in front of the Ohio State kid? So I would say that's probably the one guy that's been the most pushback, controversial with some of my NFL friends. All right. Um, hey, let's have some fun. I don't know yeah. about y'all, but I love on social media. I thought media. we were having fun already. I thought we were having fun already. What do you mean? <laughs> Different kind of fun. Different form of fun. Let's, let's, okay. let's right. switch okay. gears a little bit. Um, I love on social media when uh, you see these games where there's one guy to go or you see something like, you know, build your team with a $15 budget. So Yahoo put one out yesterday. Thought it'd be cool for us to try to do live. Michael hasn't seen this list. Chris, you haven't seen this list. I haven't even come up with my team. But I, I think these are for now. This just looking at this crazy offseason that we've had. Figured it'd be fun to do live. So let's give it a shot, shall we? Uh, Michael or Chris, would you like to go first? Would either of you like to go first? Or if you want, we can go position so, by position. And now, and, and, and you can't go over fifteen dollars. If you want, you can take your quarterback now, and we can kind of alternate if you want to do it that way. We make it up as we go along. You want to do it that way, Chris? Guess first, company first. Uh, I'm down for whatever. First? We're all going to pick our own separate team, though. Though, just to make this clear, yeah, right? yeah, that's yeah. how we're doing this. Yeah, here? yeah, you do, yeah. I mean, all if, right, if, cool, if cool. Yeah. Or, or if there's if there's carry, they can be carryover. They can be carryover because the budget is the, is what makes it fun. So if there's if if we want yeah, the same yeah. guy, that's okay. But I don't think we're going to end up with the same team just because of the money. All right, Chris, who's your quarterback? I, I think that group right there, I'm going with Matt Ryan. I'm going to go with the $4, a little bit of expensive okay. one there, but not, you know, top of the line, expensive Russell Wilson like money there. I like your thinking. Michael Holly. this would be funny if yeah, you do I, what I'm thinking, I, but I don't think you're going to do it, but go no, ahead. <laughs> no, 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 I know. See, budget-wise, I want to do it. Budget-wise, but I'm going to have to make some sacrifices elsewhere. Because I don't like any of these quarterbacks except for my man Russell Wilson. So I'm going to spend a $5. I'm getting Russell Wilson. $5. All I'm right. going to cheap out elsewhere. All right. All right. Um, you know who I'm going to go with? Go ahead. Take your boy Trubisky. No, I'm not. Take I, him. I like Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, Chris Michael hates Mitchell I know you, Trubisky. Well, I don't well, know why. Well, but show, I like him. Well, show us. But show us. But you know who I really. Like but you know who I really like, and I'm going to put a little bit. I'm going to go a, little, a level down here into this conversation. I like him reunited with Arthur Smith. I like the flashes that we saw here and there with the Raiders. I think there's a there's another act in Marcus Mariota's career. I'm gonna take two dollar Marcus Mariota. I think the Falcons rebounded nicely after the debacle, uh, you know, chasing Deshaun at the expense of Matt Ryan. I got Marcus Mariota. All right, uh, Chris, wide receiver, go. Ooh, I think the guy that jumps out to me right there. 
And I'm trying to think about budget here a little bit. I'm going to yep. go with Allen yep. Robinson. I'm going to be smart here. Yep. Allen okay. Robinson is better All than right, a yep. $2 receiver. He's just been in a $2 All offense right. with some crap right. plays around him. So I'll go there. Yeah, that's that's good ding, ding, upside ding. right there. Hey, you're up Same. there, $6 for you. Same, you got Robinson, Same. Michael? Same. Same, Same great, thing? Okay. Great value. All right. Great value. All right. That's the great number value. one receiver. So two Allen Robinson. $2. I'm going to shell out here. I'm going to shell out and I'm going to go $4 Tyreek Hill. I think, and the only reason I'm going to go $5 Devontae Adams, I'm going to save this dollar. I don't think there's that much of a difference in the impact from Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill for me not to go with the cheaper option. Give me $4 Tyreek Hill. Uh, back to you, Chris. Offensive line. All right. Offensive line here. Um, I'm looking. Mm, wow. You know what? <sighs> I'll go with Alex Kappa. Alex Kappa, I like his game. He's got an attitude. He pisses people off. He gives the offense yep. an attitude. I like what he does there. I'll go right in the middle of the pack there so I can go a little more expensive here towards the end. All right, you were up to yeah. $9. You've spent $9 so far on three players. Uh, what about you, Mike? Who's your offensive lineman? Yeah, I'm going up to 9 I'm going up to 9 too because I'm going to take Lyle Collins for $2. So, okay. yeah, 9 I got I got ideas. I know where I'm going the rest of the draft. <laughs> okay. I got well, go I got Collins yeah. <laughs> too. I got I got Collins as well. He was he was my guy. So uh give me give me Alex Collins for two dollars as well. Uh you know I had to take a Bengal. Well I was taking one of those Bengals, but let me give me Alex Collins. I think that's great value. All right, Edge, who you got? Chris Sims. I mean, th- would I look at this here and I just I mean it, this is a Wow, I mean Hassan Riddick, uh, all the sacks he's had the last few years, he's the one dollar option. I'm like shocked over that. I'm I'm shocked. Uh, but I'm gonna spend all my money here. All right, no, you know Ooh. what? Screw that. I'm gonna take Hassan Riddick. <laughs> I am. I'm gonna okay. go with him. Right. I mean, I want a guy that gets after the quarterback. I'm going there. All right, so that's ten dollars now. Uh, you up to? So you got yeah, yeah. You left, know where so I'm going with that think, last I one. It. I think I know you. Well, you <laughs> want to go ahead and say it now, JC Jackson? You spending your five dollars on JC? I'm going JC, a hundred percent. You can pencil me down for JC. All right, JC Jackson. It well, is for five. All right, that's fifteen. I Who can, you got, Mike? I can I can tell you my last. Who's your two. edge guy? Uh, two. All right, who's your edge two guy? great, two great three dollar options. Uh, Khalil Mack, and then the Honey Badger. You know, I still can't believe he's not signed. I love yeah. my team. First of all, I, I love my team. I love it. That's a, that's a good Great. squad. Um, there's a little carryover with me and you. I targeted the Honey Badger as well for $3. And my edge guy, though, is Chandler Jones for 4 um, Let's see, 4 8 10 Yep, 15 Yep, uh, I got Chandler Jones for $4. So I got Mariota Hill, Collins, Jones and the Honey Badger as well. I do like I like all all you can't go wrong with any of these teams, and you cannot go wrong with the, this game. Thank you so you know much, what, Chris I, I Sims, got, for indulging me. That you know was what, Chris? fun. I I like doing that you kind of stuff. No problem. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say the budgeting was wrong. It was too easy. They got was the budgeting it? wrong. They're, they're, all right. Yeah, those values. They're too like. Khalil Mack for three dollars. Yeah. Come on, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Exactly right. Yeah, no doubt Justin about Reed it. Was I, I agree. The budgeting didn't seem Justin right. Hey, what did seem right is that I won. Well I won probably, so that was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had a root canal, so we'll give you that. Yes. Thank you so much for coming okay, through and playing. Thanks. Thanks. Peace All out, right, homies. Brother. Yeah, go to break. Later. Do you want a beautiful lawn? 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Oh, man, it is not every day that you get to be joined by one of the 75 greatest players to ever play in the National Basketball Association. The glove himself, Gary Payton, needs no introduction. So good to see you. Uh, I guess I would start there with that honor. It, what's, what's, the best, what's the best reconnection or the best reflection that you've experienced since being named to the 75th anniversary top 75 team? Great question. You know, you know, making the Hall of Fame was really good, but making this team is even better. You know what I'm saying? Because what they did was they took 75 years of basketball and then they said, you know, we're going to pick one guy out of each 75 years and say they're the best ever to play at the time. And you got to understand, it was over, or more than 30,000 players that are probably going to play in the NBA, and they picked 75 of us and give us the credit for us to, to be one of them. I, I'm just very honored. You know, I'm very honored to be with the uh, Dr. James, the George Gervins, the Jerry West, the Kareems, the Magics, all of them guys, man. And it's just something that uh, I never thought that would happen to me a kid coming out of Oakland, California, just playing basketball on the streets and doing what I do. You know, I got to get this before I ask the, the uh, question I want to get into. I want to ask you on the record, you know, what do you think of my co-host and his shirt? He, he, he took it to the next <laughs> level with this uh, NBA jams. Gary Payton, because we always say this. Fanboy, I just want to let you know. You know? <laughs> I want to let you I want to let you know. We say this on the show. Sometimes he'll say, uh, Michael will say, hey, Mike, I'm going to set you up with a Peyton to Kemp question. He'll throw <laughs> it up and I'll put it down. So you're part of the culture now, but what do you think of that shirt? Man, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in it to win it. <laughs> I got one too, man. I, hey, look, I got all of them games. I got four of them games. People be trying to buy them games from me. You know what I'm saying? Because they're legendary. I got them yes, here. Sir. Y'all can come over there and play them. I know y'all was spending money in the day. Y'all can come over here and play Back in the day. Free, Love the shirt, man. Keep it going, man. <laughs> Thank you, man. NBA Jams turned us out. You know what I'm saying? That's what I like. I like it, I man. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you. And, and I'll tell you, you know, one of the uh, one of the memories for me, I always love just from afar uh, watching basketball in Seattle and I had the opportunity uh, when I got a little bit older to, to cover the league and, and cover some games out there. Great atmosphere. As we're talking about history and the, and the history of the league, what are your feelings now in 2022 about the Sonics leaving Seattle? And do you think there's any opportunity to bring Seattle, uh, the Sonics or Seattle, a pro basketball team, back to the Pacific Northwest? Absolutely. We're going to get we're going to get a team back. We got a great commissioner in Adam Silver who is trying to do the right thing. I know he doesn't want to take another team away from a city and try to bring it to another city. Listen, we should have never lost our, our, our team in the first place. We had bad ownership at the time, and that's just the way it went. 
But right now, people know that basketball should be in Seattle. We're going to get it back. I guarantee we will. We're fighting. We're fighting. We're fighting. I think Adam Silver is just trying to make it the best way he can and the right way to get the teams back. You know it's going to be a lot of more. If it has to, it has to be two more teams to come in. A lot of owners have to uh, um, basically approve of this. And I think that they want it too. I think they want it to go back up there to Seattle. And we got our fingers crossed and we're going to be fine. I think that we're going to have a team back there and we're and it's going to be so. So, of course, after Seattle, uh, you had a stop in Milwaukee. And then, of course, part of that, uh, that Lakers team that went to the finals in 04 before you ended up getting a ring with Miami few years later, but uh, the Lakers in particular would love your insight. Any kind of suggestions that you may have on how to fix the Lakers uh, and, and what they need to do going forward. And also one in particular, I kind of want to uh, marry a couple of your experiences together is a name that's been thrown out there, even though his team's about to go to the playoffs, a name has been thrown out there as a potential replacement for Frank Vogel. If they do uh, move on from him, which looks likely is Doc Rivers. I so Rivers. I wonder a what you think the Lakers could do to get, you know, to get on track and get back into contention. And also, if you think Doc Rivers would be a good fit uh, at the helm of the Los Angeles Lakers. That's a, that's a good question. I, I think with the Lakers, man, you had a bad year. You tried something that didn't work. It just didn't work. You know, with the older players, it didn't work. A lot of people got hurt. I think I got a compliment LeBron at the age he has. He's 37 years old. The best basketball season I think he ever had in his career, even when he was young, to average 30 points and do the things he's doing right now is amazing. I think the only thing the problem was is that they didn't let Westbrook be Westbrook. I wish he would have let him be him instead of who he is now. I think he understands that too. That's why he said he wants to come back and and um, and, and 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 make it another shot at it. Playing in front of your hometown is really big. You know, he went to UCLA. He did a lot of things there. Now coming back to play for the Lakers, they just made a mistake. I think I know Jeannie Buss is very upset. I know she's going to make some changes. I know Dr. Buss is probably turning over in his grave real mad. He got to get them fans back in there, all them superstars and stuff back in them game. This is a year that you got to say it's over. Now let's go and try to make it, make it, uh, make it better. You you changing you changing coaches, that's who takes the fall for it. I don't know if Doc gonna come back. Doc got a great team in Philly. I, I don't know yeah. why would you come back. Why would you do that? And you already in the playoffs, and you got a team. You got Harden. You got Embiid. You got one of the one one of the two best big men in the, in, the, in, the, in the game. I don't know why you would go back. You know what I'm saying? Only reason you go back is the money difference. LeBron coming back and you get a, a, a team that you know you can, you can win with. But right now, you got a team in Philadelphia that has a chance to win in the East. Got a good shot. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And while we go and, and take a Laker job that you're probably going to have to rebuild and do things that you, you know, unless you're just trying to say, I'm going to the Lakers, Showtime, Showplace, L.A., whatever. Yeah. He's already Clippers. I don't know why would you do that. I, I'm already I in a good situation. Yeah, no, I agree. But one thing you said that stood out right off the top, and I haven't heard many people, Michael, I don't know about you, I haven't heard many people sympathetic to the plight of Russell Westbrook, that he they didn't allow him to be him. Yeah. A lot of people have pointed that Russell Westbrook didn't embrace a, a, a lesser role. So I'd I love it if you could expound on that point a little bit more. And I also, I, I'll be presumptuous, 
how much does your 04 Lakers experience with having to coexist with Shaq and Kobe and Carl Malone, how much does that color that perspective, having kind of been in a situation where a lot of accomplished players had to learn how to play together? Okay, I'll start off with the Westbrook, with the Westbrook thing. People can't say that. If you look at Westbrook, he's been in teams all the time. He was a triple-double uh, triple king right now. Okay, why would you want him to take a lesser role because he's played with AD and, and LeBron? Why would you just let him come over here and be you? You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, Westbrook cannot be a player where you just say, okay, here, I'm going to give you the ball and I'm going to sit over the thing. He's not a player like that. We never said Westbrook was a shooter. He's not a shooter. He's a player that can get the basketball, explode, and be on confidence. And be on, when, when he has confidence, he makes shots and he makes some things uh, exciting that way. That's the type of basketball player. He gives you energy. You took all that energy away from him. And when he has no energy and people keep talking about me in the paper and I keep looking at it and I keep hearing it, it affects my game. It affects me. And that's not what he was. You don't take that away from a player who was an MVP, a triple-double king, doing things that he did, and then say it's his fault. No, it's not. If that's the case, he shouldn't have never came to the, the Lakers. He shouldn't have never traded for him. If you're not going to let him be him who, who he is, you know what I'm saying? And that's not it. Now, with my team in the 04, I was only 32 years old or 31 years old. I was still playing great basketball. Kobe Nim was 20 or whatever. Shaq was 20. Carl Malone was just a little bit older than me at 34 or whatever. We were still in our prime a little bit. We were really still in a thing. What happened with us is that Carl got hurt. He only played 60 games. Kobe had went through his situation in, in, in uh, all season. We didn't expect that to happen. He missed 39 games or so. Then we did uh, Shaq. He was fighting with Dr. Buss about his, his contract. It was something that happened. So what? He missed 35 games. I was the only player that played 82 games, and we went to the NBA Finals, and Phil Jackson did a great job with the players that we had, Fishers, the Foxes. We did a great job, and that's what happened. This team is not like our team. They are a lot. They were a lot older than us. They were a lot. A lot of players on there were older than us. We had some younger guys on our team that was big. Kobe was just in his prime. Shaq was still doing what he did. It wasn't like that. And then all of a sudden, we didn't have a lot of in, we we had a lot of injuries, but we had players that come back and play. Kobe then would come back and play. They'll come back on this team. You had AD who was hurt a lot. You know what I'm saying? A lot of players were hurt and a lot of players didn't play. You didn't play. You didn't play Carmelo Anthony the right way. You know what I'm saying? It, it is yeah. what it is. And they have to just redo this team and say, we made a mistake. Period. Mm. It is what it is. You made a mistake. Yeah. That's all you say. You made a mistake and that's it. Now we blow it up. We bring players back in. Now we what we have to do is we have to focus on can we get LeBron to play two or three more years without killing him and put and messing up his 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 body? Okay, what do we want to do with AD? Is he going to be hurt or he's not going to be hurt? What what are we going to do? You know what I'm saying? And then we bring Westbrook back and let him be Westbrook and get younger basketball players, get younger basketball players, and make them do what they need to do. You know what I'm saying? And then that's it. We made a mistake and let it go.
You know, you, you mentioned uh, you mentioned age and you mentioned LeBron, you know, your admiration that he's able to do it at 37. And not only do you know what you're talking about because you played in the league, but you played in the league until you were 38. So if you're if you're talking about how to handle LeBron or any player who's in his mid to late 30s, what did you do? How, how did you have to change your approach to be able to be successful at that age, especially playing at a high level? I mean, you were still getting it done defensively, which we know is hard. So how, yeah. how do you uh, how do you accomplish that at, at that age? You got to take care of your body. Your mindset has got to be right. And then you have to understand. I am not the man no more. I got to move on. I got to let these other players become who they are. With LeBron, he's still the man at 37, which is great. You know, he took care of his body to that to that point. When I was in in my thing in my last years, I had Shaquille O'Neal, who was who was still pretty good. And then I came with a kid called D-Way, which was great. You know, he was a player that took over and won us a championship with Dallas. So I didn't have any problems with going and trying to be a mentor to Jason Williams, who was on White Chocolate, who was on our team. We had a lot of players like that, but we knew how to go in the background and say, hey, this ain't our team no more. We young, we older. Let these other players get down and do what they got to do and let these younger players do it. And that's what we have to do. You know what I'm saying? And that was the difference between me and what was going on now. A lot of players can't do that. They can't just step aside and say, oh, I'm still the man. You see what I did six years ago? It ain't six years no more, man. You you, you older yeah. now. Let these other players get out, man. It is ain't six years ago. And I was, I was, I was good with that because I wanted to retire. And they came back and talked me into it. I was only coming to Miami just to talk about just to talk about, hey, am I going to be play only 12, 13 minutes? That's all I wanted to play. And I, I wind up playing 30-something minutes. So that is what it is. Uh, Hall of Famer, 75th anniversary team, nine-time All-NBA, 06 champion, nine-time All-Defensive, 95-96 Defensive Player of the Year. But one aspect of your legacy and your resume we want to get to, of course, is Gary Payton the second um, a, a key a, a key player on the Golden State Warriors? Obviously, a big part of their defense. Not surprisingly, we know where he gets that from. Um, also, what, what should mention uh, the Community Assist Award winner for the month of January in the NBA. I guess I'll ask it to you like this because you know, as fathers, man, we can only imagine how proud you are. What are, what aspect of his grind, of his journey, the way he came up the hard way and persevered? to get to this point in his career makes you most proud? The most proud, I think, of my son is his mentality of what happened. Uh, I, I think that he had a tough mentality because he went behind me at Oregon State of all the things that I did there. And to have a father at my caliber and try to, to compete with him and hear the things that it and named after me, name for name, is, in, is, is crazy. Then when he don't get drafted and then all of a sudden you play six years in the NBA and you run through that grind and now you're on a team that you get, you're getting that grind done and with his athletic ability and he still plays the 90 type of basketball defense. 
He, I got CP3 telling me, man, I try to get your son out of the game all the time because I'm tired. I'm <laughs> I can't just have him hounding me all the time, man. I, I asked him. He said, man, I asked him. I said, why you want to play me this long, this many minutes, like this at 37? I ain't want to try to do all this. And that's a, a compliment to my son that he's doing that. And the grind that he has put in and he took went through for six years. And now to get to where yeah. he's at, get to do what he's got to do. And now he can make it more, uh, more better for him going in these playoffs and establishing and people and let people see what he really can do. It's going to be a big thing for him. I'm just proud of my son that he grew up that way. He grew up with a lot of things. But let me tell you guys one thing. The most thing I'm proud of my son is, is every time that I, people come up to me, they don't ask me about my son's game. They always tell me about how nice he is and how much of a gentleman he is. That's the yeah. best thing I ever get as a parent because I no taught doubt. him way. I taught him and all my kids, be respectful. Always respect your elders and respect the people that you do because you don't know who you're going to be around and who's going to give you something. And my kids are like that. And this kid right here, he's different, way different than me. Way different. He doesn't talk. He doesn't do it. He's quiet. And I love it hmm. because people always come up to me and say he's the sweetest kid. He's the sweetest guy. we give you another example. He knocks over a beer in, in the stands. Come on, he knocks yeah. over a beer. And then he goes <laughs> to people and tells them to buy him another beer and get in and yeah. get and get feel after. That is just yeah. something that never happens. You know what I'm saying? And I'm happy and I, I'm glad that he got that January award because that's him. Everybody don't know he, he, he Ellen for Delexia and, and, he, and, he, and he got it back. And, you know, and, and he, he, he just want to help kids. That's all he wants to do. And, and I'm very proud of my son for doing it. That's all you could ask. Hey, I, I love that. I love that moment and I love uh, I love you just talking about him because we could do this all day. Just talk about our kids and I love to hear hear that from you. And you mentioned that beer story. That was great. Now we don't, we're not gonna talk about beer. Let's talk about Hennessy for a second because the theme is the theme is unfinished business and in the uh, in the spirit of Hennessy and unfinished business. You tell me who's gonna finish that you can't say Golden State. Okay. Who's going to finish their business this year? Who's going to win the championship? Ooh, you put me on the spot right here. But the favorite is Phoenix. I think Phoenix is the basketball team to beat. They're the team that, that, that got it together. One thing that they have that I think most people don't have, I think one more team has, is a point guard. And that point guard, he gets them into the thing. He might not do it for three quarters, but when he gets in that fourth quarter, CP is a beast. And I think they're going to need that. They want to prove something last year that Milwaukee beat them where they out, they just out physical them. And then they out, you know, they out, they just did them out. And I think they want to get back to that level and show that that was a fluke. And that's what happened. That's why they've got 63 wins right now. They're just trying to tell and let everybody understand it's going to be a hard out for us to get. Uh, I would say the Golden State Warriors, if they had a team really healthy, but they're a little small. But I think Phoenix is, is a team to beat right now. Well, look, man, I, I'm glad you're here on behalf of Hennessy because uh, I, I firmly believe that that anything is possible. Hennessy and lemonade happens <laughs> to be my favorite, my drink of choice. I, I'm just curious, like, tell us about this partnership uh, and, and why you decided to uh, go into business with Hennessy 
and, and this initiative? You know, it, it's called the official spirit of the NBA. Uh, it, it's a program called Unfinished Business. And what it does is, is it, it takes uh, small businesses from the black community, the Latino business, uh, community, and the Asian uh, community, and it helps them. The Unfinished Business has been around since 2020. It gave $5 million since then. Now we're about to come back and team up with the NBA and 17 other NBA teams and give $2.5 million to small businesses. I know both of you guys can go back into your community right now, like I do, walk down the street and everything is boarded up. It's been like mm -hmm. that for two and a half years. And these people have put all their money into their businesses and now they're losing it. And they're, they're just going belly up and they can't, they don't know what to do. They're losing everything. And that's a problem for me. That's a problem. And I hate that. And we're glad, I'm glad that Hennessy came to me with the NBA and they, they brought me aboard because I've been trying to fix this for many, for a long time now, for the last two years, because I've been in them small businesses. I own, I did a, a record label and I did a, a phone company, which you, if you don't look and do the right things into it, it'll belly up quickly. And I had a lot of more resources to do it. These people don't, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Again, we're trying to honor, you know, you know, this is 75 anniversary. We're trying to honor Spotlight, 75 of the unfinished business recipients, you know, that do above and beyond for the community. We want these people to get back on their feet. We have to, because this is a ridiculous that we go down the street and we got stuff boarded up and they can't get it back. And, and I just, Go give you an example. I, I go to a breakfast spot. I've been going to here for 10 years, 15, 20 years. And it's closed now because of the simple fact is the pandemic came and they couldn't keep their mortgage up. And I'm I'm sad because I used to go out there and, and just sit out there and look at the list of the birds church and you do uh, drink tea and have me some uh, toast and stuff like this. And that building is that business is not there no more. And that lady actually cried when she was closing this building up and and i hate that and i'm trying to get them back to now where that building is get up because we're trying to get the lease back to her so she can open it back up and get her money back in and and, and i'm just trying to do that i'm just real passionate of what i'm trying to do with these small businesses yeah, because what they they this is what they they don't deserve this they they they, they, they put their whole life into it and then all of a sudden, you just take it away from them because something unfortunate like the packet pandemic happened and, and, they, and they couldn't do it anymore. Man, we appreciate that, man. Thank you for that word. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for your commitment. And I appreciate you joining us. This was fun. This is yeah, definitely thank you. Hey, anytime y'all want to be back, we're gonna do oh, let me know. Well, I'm going to take you up on that. I'm coming and play we'll NBA it, Jam. Yeah, we will. Oh, old school. Do it. Just come with me. Come with me. You can, you can get you and Kemp, and I'll get Run TMC. I'll get Mullen and Hardaway. We'll go at it like the old school. Let's do it! Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Boy said. <laughs> Who? Uh-oh. You hear what your boy said? 
Who, my boy? Take a listen. Who else you want to play with? Um, in today's game, <laughs> Steph Curry. Yeah. <laughs> Steph Curry's the one that I want to play with. Oh, shoot. The chef. <laughs> you know what? Hey, he might want to play with you next weekend now. That is phenomenal. <laughs> when did he say that? Was that on the shop? Yeah. I guess the latest one, like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, he got his, we, we got his wish. So he's the captain. He's picked me the last two uh, All-Star games. So I don't know if that suffices, but I'm good right now. How's that make you feel, though? Good right now. I mean, whenever you get the uh, – the interest or curiosity of what it would be like to play with a, arguably you know MVP kind of caliber dude like he is and one of the greatest of all time cool like it's amazing right um, we all can live in that fantasy world though <laughs> like, uh, was that gentle yeah, enough yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, good right yeah, now good. I, you know what? Good. I'm flattered <laughs> thanks yeah, for no thanks and that's the reality and that goes back to the conversation yeah. we were having yesterday about this whole Doc Rivers you know like the entitlement that the Lakers feel and LeBron is part, a big part of that it's like man ain't nobody trying to have yeah. any problems Michael you know what I almost got us in trouble let's I, I almost got a vote in trouble let me see. Let me let me censor myself, and you'll appreciate it. I'll talk oh, to you I, after oh, the show I, about oh, what I, 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 I'll yeah, tell you after yeah, the show what I was going to say. But let's just no, say no, I, I got it. I know what you're about okay. to say. I know okay. it. Okay, you know. I know oh, what you're okay, saying. okay. This is all right. Once again, hey, we'll, Peyton the Kemp, and yeah, but on this okay. Peyton the Kemp, if you Peyton, I'm Kemp is like this. I ain't touching that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good, good, good. I guess let's just say at this point in his career. LeBron is a little high maintenance. And why right. would Steph want to mess up his happy home by bringing LeBron James into the fold yeah. and having yeah, to, exactly. you know, nice, nice recovery. to his nice, demands. Nice you know, reframing, no. reshaping. You reshape. You know, it in a nice Steph, way. Steph's setting his ways. He got he got his stuff where he wanted in the cabinets and in the refrigerator. He don't need somebody else coming in, rearranging furniture and whatnot in his house. Yeah. Okay. That's right. So. And if it, you know, so no, that that, that it, it was it was fun while it lasted, but I appreciate Steph shutting and, it down. And, and you Here's, know what? And, and you know what? It just takes. It, you're right. It just takes too much. It takes too much too at much. this point. It's too much. It's too much. Yes. He's on a different agenda. LeBron at this at this stage of you his know, career, you he know. ain't got much longer. You know, we think. Right. You know, he wants his kids. All right, moving yeah, on. That's right. Speaking of yeah. moving, anyway, Russell right. Russell Westbrook. So we didn't talk. We talked with Stroh. You want your kids to We talked with Stroh earlier. Tom Abbott earlier right. was like he saw the Houston Rockets in a John Wall trade, which was rumored during the season. Today, Mark Stein yeah. on his Substack he identified a team to watch in this this offseason for Russell Westbrook. Who, by the way, along with his good news for you, good news for you to be right. Along with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook is out versus the Warriors tonight. So we're sub not only are we subjected to watching the Lakers on national television again tonight, if we so choose, but none of their three stars are playing. But anyway, somebody, so somebody alerts the commissioner who just talked about this. Who just talked about this yesterday? Yeah, he just, he exactly. Just brought this up. Not enough stars playing. Um, well, you about late to into the season, especially. Mark Stein was like, a team to watch is the Charlotte Hornets. Now, obviously, Michael Jordan and Russell Westbrook have the Jumpman connection. Westbrook is a Jumpman guy. But I'm like, why would the Hornets? The Hornets are already a team to watch. They're already an interesting team. 
Why would you why would you like ruin that by adding Russell Westbrook to the mix? Why would you watch somebody else struggle to integrate Russell Westbrook's singular style? I'm putting it nicely and then say, hey, here's a good idea. Hey, you know what? Mello, you know what? Bridges go ahead and like step aside and make room for Russell Westbrook. Yeah, like MJ. Please don't do that, dude. Please don't do that. Unless you were that desperate for a 2027 pick. Now nah, you got and plus you got LaMelo already. It just says it doesn't make sense. You know, we talked about this before. The kind of team Russell Westbrook needs is he's got to be the he's got to be the one. He's got to be the centerpiece of it. And then everybody has got to kind of revolve around that that Russell satellite. And if you can't do that, it's not a good fit. It's simple. He's got to be he, he, the center. He's got to go to a bad team that's not trying to contend that will take that contract in order to get a draft pick. I don't know who's that desperate. Mike, I I love these stories. These Tom Brady stories There's always something with him. And here we go. Uh, We learn Mike Florio's writing about it. Tom Brady was about to be the part owner of the Miami Dolphins this year. They're going to have Brady in the ownership group. They're going to have Sean Payton as their head coach. Brian Flores, Flores lawsuit comes blew out. It up, right? Flores lawsuit comes out. Whoa. And they back away from the plan. Brady go, winds up going back to Tampa. Sean Payton, free agent. So, uh, that was, but that was this year. Tom Brady's got one yeah. year left on his contract with Tampa. It, it, it didn't happen. It's not going to happen in 2022. We it don't feels think, inevitable, but it's probably doesn't it feel inevitable? But it's probably going to happen. That's right, Thanos. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's happening. Like Tua, Tua got to be Dan Marino. Tua got to be Dan Marino to steal off Tom Brady at this point. But wait a minute, because it's like okay, he's, 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 just be good but enough Tua to where the Dolphins can flip you for more. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You don't think he wants do, to be a part I, I, owner? Can he be both? Is there a rule against owner? that? Is there a rule against know. that? I really don't know. Can he be know. both? Probably is. Probably. probably can't be both. I mean, it, yeah, probably a salary cap violation in there somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah, that's a big <laughs> you one. Can't, you can't sign your that's own real checks. Big one. You yeah. know what I mean? Fact, <laughs> I'll, play for, I'll play for $100 as a part yeah. owner. $100. Yeah. That's all I need. You know, I, I, I can't wink very I, well. Yeah, no. I think I think he's in Miami though. Regardless, the the the, the ties are, are too real to Stephen yeah. Ross, um, and and the people around Stephen. Uh, uh, well, look, let me let me take that back. Assuming Stephen Ross is still the owner, a lot can change between yeah. now and next year. To bring this the show full circle, if if if, if Brian Flores can come up with these receipts, it may not be Stephen Ross's I mean, decision to make whether he wants Tom Brady in Miami. So um, yeah, yeah. I, but on on paper, the Dolphins they loaded with more draft picks next year to potentially add to the roster. It's already a, a draw just coming to South Florida anyway. It makes a lot of sense. There's so many. It's Brady. There's so many parts of it because it's Tom Brady. I wonder what you mentioned Tua. I wonder what he thinks of it. I wonder what Tampa thinks of it, knowing that they got Tom Brady for like another year and Robert Kraft. You coming to my division? Really? To be an owner? The Dolphins? What's up, man? What about us? I love it. 
I love it. Amazing. Tampering? What's that? What's tampering? Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.